Welcome to the podcast, A Moon in the Dark, with Ellen Blake. We all come to crossroads in life. We all have to make decisions. And we wonder, which is the right decision? How do I know? How do I follow the Lord? Is He going to speak to me? Well, we unpack some of those questions as we wrap up our Christmas season today. Please don't forget to rate and review the podcast and follow us on Instagram and go to moonandthedark.com for more resources and updates. If you want to know what's trending in the area of home decor or in the area of fashion, you've got to follow Ashley Martin and her team at Rustic Lantern. You can get her app. You can follow her online at rusticlanternco.com. Well, we are at the end of our Christmas series, and I am so thankful today to be with Susanna Goodman and Jane Burke. Hi. (laughs) We're excited to be here, Ellen. It has been so much fun to do this season, and I'm happy y'all are here with me to land our plane of the Christmas story. I can't believe you're done. I really am. I can't believe you're at the end already. That's been so good. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to hear the last couple of episodes. Me too. Yes. Well... I'm happy y'all are here because, I mean, with everyone who's been here, it's such a treat to get to even sit and talk to you because you're so hard to get in touch with (laughs) (laughs) because we're all so busy. And what I love about thinking about the two of y'all, I mean, you actually have a lot in common, but the the reason we know each other is we were on a teaching team Mm -hmm. together for Griffin Bible Study. Yep. And we worked together in teaching. Mm-hmm. We did. Yes. We got to be teachers together at Griffin um, Bible Study, which is at First Pres. It meets on Wednesdays. And um, that's how I got to meet you, Ellen, and Jane. And actually, I knew beforehand, but not very well beforehand. And so um, spent the last several years teaching together and, and digging into our love of God's Word together. So it's been a lot of fun to do that, for sure. Yeah. Yes, I have learned a lot from mm-hmm. both of you ladies. Mm-hmm. So, as the Lord has given you much. Yeah. Well, it's been fun to think about how both of you are scientists. You have scientific minds, and you're passionate about God's Word mm-hmm. and also passionate about serving the Lord in whatever mm-hmm. season. And I've watched you both, like, want to do what the Lord wants you to do with your time. Mm-hmm. And you're prioritizing your families, your marriages— Trying to. (laughs) Just, you know, using your gifts. So tell us what you all do at home and not at home and what what your careers are. I'll start. Um, Well, I um, am married um, to Stephen and I have a bonus son, Mason, who is 11. And um, he has some special needs. So I've spent some time homeschooling. Now we are back in school. But my day job is I am a nurse practitioner. And so this past season for me has been a very busy one. Um, I actually was part-time and went back full-time during COVID, and today actually marks my first day back as um, part-time again. So it's been a crazy season for me, and um, but I'm glad to be slowing down a little bit more, especially as we enter into this Advent season. It's a perfect time to be slowing down for me. Yes. So. Well, I'm Jane, and I am married to Drew Burke, and we have been together for 19 years this Yay. summer. Wow. So. Good long time, and we have a 16-year-old daughter, Lainey, and we have a 13-year-old daughter, Hannah, and I taught high school science for 21 years in Henry County, 
and have been at home for the past eight years and have recently been homeschooling my middle schooler. But And in the process of recertification and probably headed back to the classroom next year. So well, I'm excited about that. I just appreciate both of your minds and, and how you challenge me and how you love me. And I know that if I ever need anything, y'all are at the top of the list to call. Thank you for all of your challenging love the past several years and love you guys so much. Love so you too. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. For yes. That. <laughs> From that and yes. many more reasons. So. Yes. Well, here we are. We are now in Matthew. We're starting in verse 13 or Matthew 2, um, verse 13. And we are at the end of the Christmas story. At the end of this, we're going to have Jesus in Nazareth. So, um, Susanna, you're just going to start reading, yep. and we're going to unpack this together. All right. So this is Matthew 2, starting in verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. And he arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And there was until the death of Herod, and was there until the death of Herod, that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Out of Egypt did I call my son. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent men and killed all the boys who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity, who were two years older and under, according to the time which he had determined for the Magi. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee and came and settled in a city called Nazareth. This happened so that what was spoken through the prophets would be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. Susanna, talk us through a little bit about what is going on mm-hmm. in this passage. So um, for me, I like to look at passage structurally. If I can't look at it, I'll, I'll try not to um, go into too much detail of that. But for me, that's how I see scripture oftentimes. And we're really seeing this picture of, uh, for me, Joseph's obedience and following through on God's plan um, in three parts. Verses 13 through 15, we see Joseph receive a dream um, from the Lord and takes uh, Mary and Jesus down to Egypt. Um, while down there, Herod learns that he has been tricked, and he um, goes to, or he sends out a decree to kill all the, the baby boys under the age of two. And we don't know that timeline, but while he's down there, um, then, or while Joseph and Mary and, jo- and Jesus are in Egypt, eventually Herod dies, and um, it, Joseph re- again receives another dream from the Lord, and it's telling him to go back. Um, to to Israel, and he does. He's immediately obedient and goes back home. Um, but then again, receives another dream, um, redirecting him to a different area, a different location um, than from whence they came, and he ends up in Nazareth. Um, so that we're kind of seeing it in three different parts. This this takes place over probably a couple of years. Um, we're we're presuming in that. So, um, but yeah. So he is 
obedient. That's mm-hmm. the thing yeah. that stands out. Yes, for sure. And as I look at it, it's funny, you know, when I did the book and put the scripture out mm-hmm. and asked people to look at verbs and things, that's when it become became more alive to mm-hmm. me to see that the dream said, get up, take the child and flee. Mm-hmm. And he got up, took the child while it was night and left. And then later, again, mm-hmm. the angel appears, get up, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. And both times, Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came to the land of Israel. So Joseph's obedience is immediate. He has this lens of hearing and then following through. There's no lack of um, questioning. He doesn't question or ponder. He immediately goes. He hears the Lord and knows that he hears the Lord and immediately acts on it. And, and he's trusting. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we see Mary mm-hmm. you know, in the middle of the night. Can you imagine? She, you know, they've probably made, they've probably been in Bethlehem, you know, a couple of years. We don't, we're not totally sure. Mm-hmm. The Magi have come, given gifts. Mm-hmm. They've gone to bed, maybe right after the Magi left. Mm-hmm. It could have been right that very night. And you know they've made connections with neighbors. Mm-hmm. They have dear friends. Mm-hmm. And and they they can't say goodbye. Mm-hmm. They get up and leave. Yeah. And Egypt is, you know, gonna be a different language, a different culture, a different dress, like mm-hmm. very different. <laughs> and you know, we're super interesting that God gave them provision mm-hmm. of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh mm-hmm. so they could have means to travel. And it was as far as I know, through the desert, this wasn't gonna be easy. Mm-hmm. And, about a 90-mile walk. And so Joseph is just going to do it. Mary's going to do it. And they're going to go. Yeah. So what would have happened if they decided to chit-chat a couple <laughs> days? Who knows? Right. I mean, we, <laughs> in God's protection, Joseph is obedient, you know. And so I think, I, you know, as a wife, I tend to um, chew on things and ponder. And my husband's more like Joseph in the sense that he does make decisions. He lets me have a conversation in there too, but I'm a ponderer. So I don't know that I would have been as obedient as Mary was to even follow the Lord's prompting through um, the leadership of her husband. But thankfully they didn't ponder and Mm. slow down and um, they went, they Mm. went. And it was another picture of God's grace, saving grace of protecting the line of Judah for, of of Christ. I think about uh, one of my favorite authors, Bodie Taney wrote with her husband, a new, a fairly new series on the life of Jesus. The first one is called First Watch, I think. And it's on the website, moonandthedark.com. I put some of my favorite books. But if you're interested in, in seeing their take on a sort of a historical fiction version, they go through Jesus' life, but they save the Bethlehem, the birth until later in the series. So you get to know some of the characters. Then they take you back to Bethlehem and mm-hmm. It's been a while since I've read it, but it's very dear the way that they write what it could have been like to escape Bethlehem and mm-hmm. for Egypt. It's really sweet. If that's if you're into that type of thing, I would check out Betty yeah. Taney. Um, so Jane, as we talked about this beforehand, you have some really good insights mm-hmm. <laughs> into some of the background and, and kind of how Matthew is approaching this book. So can you enlighten us a little bit about that? Sure. So Matthew, the gospel, his letter that he wrote was to a Jewish audience. And just like Moses in Genesis was introducing who God was to his people, 
where in around Genesis 12, he begins to give the background, like the genealogy of Abraham. And then he talks about a miraculous birth that occurred with Abram and Sarai for Isaac to be born. And um, he and then in the book of Matthew, Matthew also begins with the genealogy of Jesus. And then there's the story of a miraculous birth with Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And then in Genesis, again, there's a parallel where the Israelites end up in Egypt 400 years, and then they have to be brought out of Egypt by Moses through you know, the Red Sea, a new birth almost, and this people go into the desert, his people go into the desert, and they're not a perfect people, and they constantly mess up. They constantly disobey God. They go right to false idols instead of the one true God. And so Matthew is giving the people a picture, the Jewish readers of his gospel and the Jewish readers of his letter, a picture of the true Israel, the perfect Israel that was able to make it and be born, you know, born of a virgin, a miraculous birth, but could could do it as a savior would, that, that he is the Messiah that they've been waiting for, that was talked about and foreshadowed in the book of Genesis through Moses, but mm-hmm. now this is the one that you're supposed to look mm-hmm. to. Yeah. It's beautiful, mm-hmm. a beautiful picture. And throughout the whole book of Matthew, it, there's a continued parallel to the book of Genesis mm-hmm. with the way Matthew writes to his audience, which would be people who would understand Scripture, would have understood that story very well. Mm-hmm. That is so fascinating. So each of the four Gospels approach their audience in a little bit different way. Mm-hmm. Luke is writing more for a Gentile audience. Mm-hmm. And Matthew, who is one of Jesus' followers, who's a tax collector, he is approaching, like you said, a Jewish audience mm-hmm. and giving these, where it says that three times in this passage, this happened so that what was spoken by the Lord would be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. He wants to connect, make those connections. And Jane, what you're saying is that through some of your research and particularly Ray Vanderlaan, yes. mm-hmm. the video, what's the video series the called? The Jesus series. That the world may know. Yes. Yes. I'll try to put that in the in the notes, the episode notes. Yes. It's a great he's a he's a, a Bible teacher, but he takes you visually on tours he of does. the Holy he Land. teaches from the Holy Land. Yes. And, and teaches from a very Jewish perspective. Which is so helpful to us who most of us are not from a Jewish mm-hmm. perspective. Right. And don't have the opportunity to go to the Holy Land and have these wonderful tours. So it's good to be able to. And, we, and I guess you can find him online also. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Um, has two A's. Yes. So how does that impact you personally, Jane? Like, what? Why does that excite you? One of the things that helps me make connections because I tend to be a skeptic when I hear things. When I hear things from just about what's going on in our world today, whether it's politics, whether it's religion, whether it's scripture, like I tend to hear things and I process them and I ask the question, like, why? Like, is that really truth? And so for me, when I read scripture and the Lord begins to show himself to me, I'm not really greatly affected by things that are emotional and might be warm and fuzzy. I'm more affected by the connections that he shows me in scripture of him and the writers that wrote thousands of years ago and how they could make connections that are still relevant today. And the one where, you know, I can look in the book of Genesis and I can read what happened with Abraham and I can see a foreshadowing of something that connects with Jesus. And that builds my faith. Mm -hmm. That makes me understand who he is at a deeper level. That makes me believe. Mm -hmm. And it helps me to take the next step toward him. So I appreciate the connections in Scripture like that. 
And people are all different. Mm -hmm. That's why the, you know, the discipline of apologetics, looking at logic and evidence really appeals to some people Mm -hmm. and not necessarily to other people. Mm -hmm. And I love that because what, what you're, you're getting at a lot here is in verse five is that the prophet talked about out of Egypt, I called my son. And there's where we're getting a lot of what you're saying, Jane, is that in Egypt were the chosen people. They were enslaved and God rescued them and brought them up to the Holy Land. And so Jesus and his family, his little family, are going to take that same route. They're going to come back from Egypt into the Holy Land. And the parallel you're saying is that Jesus is now, what Matthew is trying to convey is Jesus is what Israel couldn't be. He's the true Mm -hmm. Israel. And in the writings of Paul, particularly Romans, he will outline for us how Jesus is the true Israel and the true sons of Abraham are the ones that believe through Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's a little complicated. (laughs) And some people will be interested in that. Some people won't. (laughs) You're listening to us today. but. But this is deep. As you were saying earlier, it's like an onion. You can peel it and peel it and peel it. And we could, the three of us love to study. Mm-hmm. And we right. love. We would love to, to, to go into this more. Um, it does remind me a lot of the things that have been put out by the Bible Project. They take you through this type of theme. A lot of their videos are about mm-hmm. Egypt and the parallels of Pharaoh and the plagues and all of that. God's word has so many parallels. Yeah. It, it, it almost, it's giving me chills right now mm-hmm. to think about. If mm-hmm. if you're into that type of thing and the details, like Jane is saying, it will blow your mind. Mm-hmm. And even, Jane, earlier you were talking about Herod and Esau. <laughs> yes, yes. So another connection that Ray Vanderlyn um, brought out was the, the parallel between King Herod and Jesus and Jacob and Esau. Mm-hmm. So Abraham had a son, Isaac, and Isaac had a son named Jacob. And Jacob had an older brother named Esau. They were twins. And there was a wrestling between them, a struggle. And it was prophesied that, well, as the story goes, um, Jacob ended up being the one who received the blessing through trickery, through deception. But after that, it was said that the older would serve the younger. And so now we have King Herod. And King Herod, his background is he is from the line of Esau. He is an Edomite. And we have Jesus from the line of Jacob. And again, we have two at the beginning of Matthew. Matthew writes that King Herod is the king of the Jews. Mm -hmm. And by the time the book of Matthew comes to an end, we have Jesus, who is the king of the Jews. We have, again, the older. And at that time, King Herod has already passed, and his son is reigning, of course. But again, the older is serving the younger. Mm -hmm. That is just fascinating. And it reminds me of several things. One is that Jesus is absolutely foreshadowed in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Number two, it is profitable for us to study the Old Testament because it's rich in meaning not only to give context to Jesus Mm -hmm. in the New Testament, but just because God shows through all these stories. Haven't both of y'all learned so much from the Old Testament? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, that's my—I can live in the Old Testament. (laughs) It it points to Christ over and over again from Genesis 3 on— Really, actually, Genesis 1 on, actually, is, is, yes. is pointing to Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus Christ as our King, um, and the redemptive plan at work since beginning, before the beginning of time. So you can't not mm. want to dig into the Old Testament and see 
um, a little bit about the why, a little bit about the history, a little bit about the plan of, of who Christ was himself. And then we, mm. in the New Testament, especially here beginning in Matthew, begin to see that actual fulfillment, which is what we're talking about a lot in this passage, yes. is there's yeah. there's three very distinctive pictures of fulfillment. The, the prophecies um, spoke long ago were coming true in, in this day. And we see the seed of the mm-hmm. woman who was mm-hmm. promised in Genesis 3 yep. is being protected. Yep. Yeah. It was, you know, and I think about the part about Egypt, mm-hmm. the seed of Jesus was in those people in Egypt, you know, mm-hmm. it was in Abraham's descendants. Mm-hmm. So Jesus did come out of oh, Egypt. Yeah. The mm-hmm. promised son was always promised to come. Mm-hmm. If you read it carefully through Abraham. Right. Mm-hmm. And he came out twice. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> so it's super exciting. I love it. Um, so, a little bit more, I want to go back, Susanna, mm-hmm. what personal challenges mm-hmm. and encouragements are you taking from this passage? Yeah, um, I spoke about it a few minutes ago, when, um, just in, in terms of Joseph. I, I am not an immediate obedience type person. I mentioned a few minutes ago that I'm a, a ponderer, a processor, a chewer. Um, and so I, I love um, what Joseph does. It, it is a... Um, personally for me in this season of life, I've been chewing on a lot of things over the last couple of years. And, um, it, a lot of things have changed this year. This year has been an odd year, um, for a lot of us and different reasons, but, um, I watched Joseph be immediate in his obedience. There's, um, no question, um, that he hears from the Lord and then he acts on it. And so I find myself envious of that, wanting more of Joseph. I want more of that. Um, I, I, again, I'm not that way. But I also think, too, is a reminder that God is in the business of speaking, um, however that is. I think, you know, to Jane, he speaks a little bit differently through the details, if that makes any sense. And for, for me, um, I, I read this about Joseph and um, I'm immediately reminded, though, that Joseph acted, but he first heard, and um, and that God is still, um, he's still just as active with us today, and he he speaks to us through his word and through multiple different avenues. Yeah. Um, you know. That reminds me of what I've been reading, Tr- Chuck Swindoll's mm-hmm. uh, Living Insights. He has a New Testament commentary, and his commentary on Matthew, in this section, he wants to make sure that we kind of think about the how God leads now mm-hmm. and to see good principles of guidance. Cause so many people are wanting guidance. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all do. Yeah. How do we hear from the Lord? Mm-hmm. How do we know he's speaking what to do, whether mm-hmm. it's job, mm-hmm. many, many things, yeah. you know, many things we have decisions to make. So he gives a few things. So I'm going to, I'm going to just read to you a little bit, paraphrasing from Chuck Swindoll. First, God leads those who have chosen to follow him. Mm. And I found in my own life, if we are willing to follow, he's going to instruct. He's not yeah. going to really tell us if we're not willing to mm-hmm. go, right? Um, he leads through his written word. Mm. Yes. So Matthew didn't have, or not Matthew, Joseph. Mm-hmm. He didn't have the New Testament. Mm-hmm. We have so much written today. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, God does use dreams. I've seen studies done, particularly um, in Muslim countries, where God uses dreams to confirm or to to shed light on mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. y'all have yep. heard the t- mm-hmm. same similar stories mm-hmm. and in the east too in asia east mm-hmm. asia that god is using dreams he doesn't necessarily use them i think where we are mm-hmm. because we have so much we're in america we have access 
many Bibles mm-hmm. <laughs> everywhere. And um, at least for now, we have free, we're free to mm-hmm. discuss, meet, read, mm-hmm. worship the Lord. So he, we want to be careful, first of all, if we're making a decision, does God's word comment on it? And there are so many things mm-hmm. we know yes. is his word doesn't comment on. Mm-hmm. And so we do need mm-hmm. guidance in some of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third thing he says is that God leads through the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. And we've talked a little bit on this podcast how believers, we do have the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we can read about that more in John 14 or in Acts 1, Acts 2. And and he, y'all seen the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. It's hard to explain what mm-hmm. that is. Mm-hmm. But we do know that we have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fourth, Swindoll says, God leads through the counsel of wise, qualified, mature, mm-hmm. trustworthy Christians who love and care for you. Yeah. And he emphasizes each of those adjectives, Mm -hmm. and I would too. Mm -hmm. Someone recently was telling me, I think it was Jan Silvius, that this generation of young people today, they listen to each other, Mm -hmm. and they don't necessarily listen to older, wise counsel. And um, having, you know, (laughs) three sons, I do, and lots of younger friends, you know, I do want them to choose wise, qualified, mature, trustworthy Christians who love and care for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Do y'all have any comment on that? I think the only thing I would add, not add to it, but actually um, I think is actually really critical in those those points that you pointed out. I think if it doesn't measure up against God's word, um, if, you know, especially through the lens of wise counsel or if we feel like the Holy Spirit's prompting us and like you said, we can't, that's that's a whole other topic for itself, but um, if it doesn't filter through the lens of God's Word, um, mm. that's that can be dangerous. I think it, we really do have to stack it up against God's Word, and and I think that's a. I learned that lesson the hard way, and so I, that's a very personal lesson for me um, of feeling like I heard the Holy Spirit, only to realize it actually didn't. This was years ago. This was twenty years ago, but realizing it actually didn't stack up against the lens of Scripture, and really being overwhelmed and um, distraught. Um, but at the same time, relieved that um, God has given me his word to be instructive and to be wise counsel if I will just mm. open it, dig in it, mm. spend time in it, praying through it with him, mm. um, he will um, show me what he is asking of me. And so mm. I think that's a, a, cru- a crucial piece that unfortunately a lot of churches today miss. Um, we, we miss the digging in of God's word, and that's the cornerstone. Mm. If we don't filter it through that lens, we we could end up in trouble. So for me, that's a personal thing. But Right. You know, so many people tell us now that people don't know scripture. Mm -hmm. They don't know the Mm -hmm. Old Testament or the New. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to be led astray when we don't know Mm -hmm. God's Word. And even what you were saying, Susanna, reminds me that some people go to a counselor that they pay, Mm -hmm. and that counselor isn't going back to the actual Bible. And they may call themselves a Christian counselor. Right. And so we just need to be careful. Mm-hmm. We do. And to know the Bible for ourselves, which starts yes. with reading it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, session encouragement. So the last thing that Chuck Swindoll says is that God leads by replacing restlessness and fear with confidence and calmness. Mm-hmm. But again, I go back to what you said, Susanna, that it's really God's word mm-hmm. that lines up. You can't just say, oh, I have a piece about right. this. When it doesn't line up with scripture. Mm-mm. But God does 
also lead with the peace. Someone gave me a quote um, this summer, and I, I, I hope I can remember it, but it was it was talking about along the lines of understanding God's voice and that peace that you're talking about. Absolutely. Is it peace with God or is it peace with the situation? And I think oftentimes we're looking for peace with the situation, mm. not peace with God. And sometimes a situation that he's asking us to walk through or to experience or to deal with isn't itself peaceful, mm. but he is peaceful in it. And there's a distinction in that that we have to learn to listen to and learn to tease out for ourselves. I think if I'm really honest with myself, I'm looking for peace in the situation. I'm I'm looking for him to make it right with mm. myself, not mm. right with him. And and so I think that's a, a thing, one of the ways that as modern, if I can say it that way, modern day believers, the modern day church, we're looking for easy. We're looking for comfortable. We're looking for um no trial, no temptation. We want the easy way out. And and so we often, I, for me, I, I've, I've used that as an excuse, you know, mm. and, but ultimately it's peace with him that is has to be. And Joseph mm. wasn't going to have peace with God unless Mm-mm. he got up yeah. and left. Mm-hmm. But he might not have had peace with Mary. Mary yeah. was, I don't think she was whining, but <laughs> let's say she was, yeah. you know, crying about her friends. Mm-hmm. I don't, probably wasn't doing that, yeah. but <laughs> Joseph had to lead. Yeah. And he had to say, okay, we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think it reminds me of just how we have husbands, those of us that do have husbands, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. are the leader. Mm-hmm. And when it comes time to any time that we're going to disagree, mm-hmm. that he gets to pull the ticket. He yeah. gets to be the one to make the call. What do y'all mm-hmm. yeah. think about that? Y'all agree, I'm sure. But we all three are... Strong women, and many listening to us today are. Yes. So Drew and I, whenever we have decisions to make, and it's very rare that we don't agree on something that we are having to make a decision about, but when we are not in full agreement, you know, in our conversations, he tends to process out loud a little bit better than I do. And so, and I tend to be a better person to ask questions. So I just try to pull more out of him, like, you know, regarding the situation that we're discussing. And then, and then just fall back and, and be silent because I have a tendency to overpower with my words sometimes mm-hmm. when I do speak. And so I just, I want to let him be the one to make the final decision if it need be. Mm-hmm. But most of the time we can, we just have a conversation and we can come to an agreement, you know, in the Lord as we pray and seek him together. I'm similar situation. My husband is a little bit more quiet in his leadership. He um, is very, when he speaks, I, I do need to listen. <laughs> and so he is extremely kind. I call him steady Stephen. Um, he does not make emotional decisions. He is um, very wise. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he um, very much when he actually has the input that he, no, I shouldn't say actually, when he, when he opens his mouth to speak, especially in, in circumstances in my life is where I'm talking about specifically right now, um, I, I need to listen. Um, he's usually 99.9% right, which mm. I would actually round up to 100% oftentimes. And, and it takes the pressure off me as a, as a wife. Does you know, to, to trust the leadership that he has in our family and, um, in providing for our family and directing our family and how our family should grow those decisions. Um, it's, it's a comfort to me to know that that doesn't fall to me. I was single till I was 37. And so, um, that a lot of those decisions, um, fell to me. And so it was a hard lesson to learn, but, um, yeah, it's, mm. you know, when I sit back and let him, like you said, let him pull the ticket, it, it's a relief to me mm-hmm. to follow him. Um, and I would say, it, like you said, you know, earlier, I think it even 
it does strengthen our marriage. It's something we've had to grow into over the seven years that we've been married. But um, I, I, I think it does. It allows for a strengthening in your relationship with your mm-hmm. spouse to allow them to to lead mm-hmm. um, and to want to be followed. Right. I know? love it how Otis mm-hmm. lets me mm-hmm. be me and mm-hmm. lets me give insight. But then it is his it is his responsibility for the Lord to make the mm-hmm. final decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Relief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. Well, ladies, this has been amazing. And I'm just so thankful for God's word and for y'all. And Merry Christmas, everyone. And Happy Merry New Christmas. Year. <laughs> Can't wait to see what's next. Yes. Yes. Tune in yes. Uh, to see what whatever God decides is in the next season. Yay. Thanks, so, Helen. Thank you. It's always fun to follow Ashley Martin and her team at Rustic Lantern Co. to see the latest trends, to see what's going on, to see the pillows, the candles, and all the fun things she has going on. Check them out at rusticlanternco.com. As we close season one, thank you for being with us. Please keep in touch with us. Go to the website and sign up for blog updates so that you can know what's next. We thank you for your support and for all that you've done to share, to rate, and review. We love you guys. Remember that this baby born in Bethlehem is a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. He promises us his peace. He's also called Emmanuel or God with us. He promises never to leave us or to forsake us. And he's promised to be with us until the end of the age. So I leave you now with his peace. Peace for your day and peace for your night.